Welcome to Conservation Unfiltered, a podcast all about the North American model of conservation and your chance to dive into conversations about trends, research, and outdoor activities. It's time to get wild with the 2021 Conservation Media Award-winning host, Jason Creighton. Here's kind of an interesting little tidbit here. They take those clothes because they may find a tick on them. If they don't find it, they're probably going to be a winner anyways. They put their clothes and they throw them in the dryer on high for about 15 minutes. Not the washer, the dryer first on high for about 15 minutes. That, that dry heat will kill the ticks. Then you can put them in the washer because you want to keep those clothes separate because if you know for sure you've been in a tick habitat, you're going to have ticks on you. Throw everything in a dryer. Welcome back to another episode of the Conservation Unfiltered podcast presented by Conserve the Wild. I'm your host, Jason Creighton, and this is episode number 151, Time to be Tick Aware. Today, I'm talking with a tick and Lyme disease prevention specialist by the name of Brian Anderson. Brian is known as the Tick Terminator, and he works as a consultant and conference speaker. He also helps outdoor workers and outdoor enthusiasts learn about ticks and disease prevention. During the conversation, Brian details the life cycle of ticks, habitat ticks prefer, and why ticks seem to be so prevalent now. He also details a few tick-borne diseases, how to prevent tick bites, and what to do if you find a tick on you. Stick around to the end because Brian ends the episode with a self-written Home about ticks. Well, Brian, on the line today, we have Brian Anderson, the Tick Terminator, as you heard in the intro. Brian, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing good. Even though it's winter, it's, you know, tick season is right around the corner, so we got to be prepared. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, um, this is something I, I want to get into a little bit, but um, we'll, we'll save it. But I'm going to say... Uh, real quick, as a side note to start off, uh, it seems like it's always tick season uh, these days, uh, where it wasn't when I was growing up. But let's let's not jump ahead too far here. <laughs> what, what are ticks? Like we hear about ticks, people talk about ticks. It's more in the news. Um, what are ticks, and what's the the life cycle like for a tick? Is it days, weeks, months? Cool. Tell, tell us what you know about you know just tick biology <laughs> well ticks to to a lot of people ticks they they think they are insects but technically they are in the arachnid family so they're actually part of the spider family because they do have eight legs so that is a misconception of a lot of people and uh yeah they and and to get right into the uh uh we also call them uh uh what do you call them little vector because they they can give a, a germs you know to us as humans and uh Anyways, I think that's how you pronounce it, but they can transmit diseases to humans, okay? I'm, I'm not a scholar, you know what I mean? I, I'm a learned on my own. Anybody who spends hundreds of hours like I have and uh, do this basically, you know, full time, uh, you, you, you tend to learn a lot, you know? Um, so uh, I learn about things that nobody else really looks into until I start talking to them. They, oh, that's kind of fascinating, you know? But, yeah, uh, so uh, when it comes to ticks, like if you would... If you would Google tick, 
right? You're going to come up with pictures that are mostly going to be an adult tick. Um, you know, and when, like, if you go out into a field or into the woods and you get a tick on you that you see right easily, you're, it's probably going to be an adult tick, but there are smaller ticks. There's different types of ticks. I mean, what, yes. Give yep. us give us sort of the, the brief rundown of, of sort of ticks and their life cycle and all that okay. kind of stuff. There's approximately 800 different species of ticks in the world. All right. Now, yeah, there's a lot. Jeez. We don't have anywhere near that many here in the United States. We have, you know, probably 20 or less or something like that. Okay. Uh, but as far as the life cycle then goes, it's kind of interesting. Uh, a female tick gives birth to approximately a thousand to five thousand eggs at a time in the middle of summer okay she lays those eggs out when she probably drops off some animals some some deer or something like that and she lays those ticks and a after a couple of weeks they hatch out of that egg and then like any newborn baby they're they looking for something to eat so now i live in the north and so well, their first meal in my area is normally going to be a white-footed mouse because mice are crawling around the ground. They're very close to them because obviously they're just a speck on the ground, as you can imagine. I mean, you can barely even see them. It looks like a period, in a sense, kind of moving around as they're so tiny. So anyways, they hop on that mouse, typically, and start sucking the blood out of it. All right. In that process, the germs from the mouse that go into the tick is where they actually get their diseases. They're not born, they're basically born disease-free. So they get that disease from, from, the, uh, from the host, which is typically the white-footed mouse, okay? After a couple of days, they drop off that mouse and they do whatever ticks do, which, which ain't a whole lot, you know? <laughs> they just kind of sit back and then and, uh, bask in the, they just got off the full belly deli, you know? So they only eat, one time a year. So that's their food for the year. So they just kind of veg out and kick back. And uh, in the process in our area, they start, uh, you know, uh, molting into their next phase. In that first molting process, they grow two more legs. They're, they're born with six. They grow two more. So the next spring, when they come out underneath the leaf litter and the snow melt here another month or so, uh, th they're going to be eight-legged. Okay. And at that point, then they're going to be what they call as a nymph size tick. Now, a nymph size tick is the size of a poppy seed. Okay. So that poppy seed size tick that you can barely even see, if it got some kind of tick borne disease its first summer from the host of the white footed mouse, it's going to have it for the rest of their life. And that poppy seed size tick, if it bites you, is just as lethal as a full grown adult. They don't have to be a full-grown adult to give you a problem. So that's why we'll talk about prevention later. So important, you know, to, you know, prevent that from happening, okay? But anyways, you're the poppy seed side tick. So that, that next summer, they could get on us. They could get on some little animal, you know, like like a raccoon or maybe something a little bigger, rabbits, stuff like that. And whatever is, is near them when they happen to when they happen to be there you know so anyways they feast for another couple days then they kick back and do whatever ticks do again which ain't a whole lot and they molt into their next series that fall that winter come out the next spring then as a full-grown adult okay now they're the size that most of us can see all right and they will try to you know uh use us as a host or uh you know bigger animal a lot of times they will get on a deer uh and it's usually the females that are gonna you know uh uh, get on us. The males don't normally get much out on humans. Uh, 
So anyways, uh, the, the ticks will get on us possibly, or let's say they get on a deer that's that summer or spring or summer. Uh, they will feed on the deer. Okay. And deer never get Lyme disease. Uh, so what happens is they end up staying on that deer because they know that their life is going to be shorter. So they stay on that deer after they feed, uh, they just ride that deer pretty much through the rest of the winter. The next spring, then the male gets off and he dies. The female gets off. She gives birth anywhere between a thousand to 5,000 ticks. And I tell you, man, that's enough to kill anybody. <laughs> and then of course she dies. So their life cycle is approximately three years. Hmm. If they can feed once a year for those each, each years. Now that's more, those are, do you have two types of ticks? You have a hard body tick and a soft body tick. I'm giving you the explanation of a hard body tick which is the most popular ticks in the United States, the most popular ones. And there's three of the most popular ones. You want me to get into that right now? Too? Yeah, yeah, I would. Yeah. What are some examples of a hard body tick? Like the ones you, you're saying the word popular. I don't know that they're popular. They're, um, <laughs> they're probably the most prevalent, right? The most prevalent. Yeah. But the most prevalent, the most irritating, the most yes. <laughs> nuisance. How's that? Okay. Yeah. And uh, the, the, there are basically three of them. The top one is, is probably what they call is a black legged tick otherwise called the deer tick, you know, that's the one responsible for Lyme disease. They get the most notoriety for that, you know, in the tick world. And, and okay. And they are pretty prevalent in at least half of the United States and the Eastern half anyways. So you have the Eastern black legged tick. And then of course on the West coast, you have a Western black legged tick and they can also give Lyme disease too. Now ticks are not just, uh, they're not just for one disease they can have multiple diseases all at the same time not every tick does have some some disease so uh anyways uh so that's the most popular one the next one is is probably uh an american dog tick or, or we nickname it the wood tick all right very common and the other one is called a uh a lone star tick it has a little white dot on the back of it so those are probably the three most popular ticks in the united states so, you know, I'm being from Pennsylvania, um, that black legged oh tick, um, that, I mean, it's, it's everywhere, right? Like, um, the, and Lyme disease, you know, Pennsylvania is like one of the, one of the most has one of the most prevalent rates of Lyme disease of any it of the is. states. Absolutely. Um, it, yeah. it's a really bad, uh, issue here, uh, in this state. Um, you know, growing up, I remember maybe two or three times, like seeing a tick on me, um, you know, as a 37 year old growing up in the, you know, the, the nineties, basically being outside a lot, I didn't, I don't remember ticks. And now it seems like almost every time I go into the woods to hunt or, um, do some habitat work, like I'm at least finding one tick on my pant leg or some, something. Right. So yeah. what, what is it that is, what what is the reason why they're so prevalent now compared to you know 20 years ago <laughs> they are growing in population they tell me from what i read uh they say i'm not a big global warming type of guy but they will call it climate change okay and what that does is uh sometimes the our, our seasons are a little longer maybe we have a shorter winter sometime or spring comes a little sooner that gives them more time to look for their host for that year. Remember, if they only eat one time a year, so that allows them to live longer. Okay, and Pennsylvania is is absolutely one of the 
worst states for ticks. And you're 100 percent right, because New England, uh, which is right in that area, because I tell people New England is is kind of like ground zero for the worst causes of ticks. OK, New England made, made up of, you know, Massachusetts, North Edge. You got uh, Maine, New Hampshire, Vermont, then, then uh, New York, Pennsylvania and over to New Jersey and up to Connecticut, Rhode Island. Draw a big circle around there. You call that Rhode Island, uh, call that the. Uh, 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 New England area. And uh, actually in the 70s is when uh, this this little town in Connecticut had a real problem with this strange arthritic condition found amongst some adolescent kids. And their mothers were just really adamant about, hey, man, help my babies. I mean, they're sick. What are we going to do for them? And, you know, long story short, that, that was uh, the beginning of uh, naming it then too. So they figure, well, what are we going to name this strange disease? So they named it after the town of Lyme, Connecticut, hence the name Lyme disease. So it's been around for hundreds of years, probably, but it, it has definitely increased and worsened in recent years. So uh, yeah, you're right. I, I live in Michigan, upper Michigan, actually, in, in the upper peninsula, a hundred miles north of Green Bay, Wisconsin. And uh, we're second worst in our area, where you've got Michigan, Wisconsin, Minnesota going on, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, Ohio, draw a big circle around the upper Midwest. That's the worst. Now, they go down the eastern shoreboard. I mean, uh, you know, Missouri, you know, uh, uh, Arkansas, Texas. I'm going to Texas next week to speak uh, at, at, a, at a safety conference down there for some uh, linemen. And I speak all over the country, which I love doing, talking about ticks. Uh, but, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely an issue out there. So where, where do we find ticks? Like, I feel like all these areas that you're mentioning, there's probably one, a lot of quality tick habitat uh, in those areas, but then also there's probably a a large portion of the population that also spends a lot of time out outdoors. Um, Probably coincidentally as well, also a a large white-tailed deer population um, since, you know, they're sort of like a carrier of the ticks. Um, what but what is the habitat like what does a tick need in order to live a big thing a tick needs is they need moisture okay you're never going to see them out in the middle of a parking lot you know you know asphalt parking lot because that'd be too hot for them they're going to need to be around some sort of vegetation and typically it's going to be uh like grass you know you know uh a brush uh you know definitely lower than your waist remember they do not fly they do not jump they do not drop out of trees okay they sit on a blade of grass typically and they call it questing is the proper name for that and they're they're basically opportunists they're hitchhikers and they don't even ask permission all right they just jump on the uh some kind of a, a host that they've been trying to smell and sense and feel their presence as they come by because they have very poor eyesight almost nothing but they can sense that and they can sense us. They can sense our CO2 that we breathe out in the same thing with animals. And they just latch on and they start looking around that particular host once they get on it for some place to, uh, you know, have a nice little meal. So right. several days. You, you saw me chuckle a little bit there. Um, yeah. I don't know if it came out audibly or not, but uh, when you mentioned dropping out of trees, that's something that I've heard for years that, that ticks drop will, will drop out of trees. Like they'll climb a tree and they will, know that you're there and like drop down on top of you. You're saying they, they don't do that. No, I I've heard that many times too. And, and I have read, I don't know how many times where they don't drop out of trees, but think about this in order for them to get up that tree, uh, up that branch, they're going to have to climb the tree. 
And that's a very rough terrain for them to, to climb up. The only way they may be up on that tree is if maybe uh, they're on a possum, okay, and a possum hasn't ate, eaten them yet, uh, and they would happen to fall off, incidentally, while somebody happened to be there. Uh, but the likelihood of that happening is very unusual. I think sometimes people think they drop out of trees because they have them on, on their shoulder or their head. But guess what? Ticks usually start off and get on your shoes and, and, and your shins, you know, below your knees first. And if you have one on your shoulder, that's because it crawled all the way up there from your knees and your shins and your ankles. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's their thing. They're, they're natural crawlers and they always crawl upward. So, uh, all right. So tick habitat, you need a, a moist, you need a moist area. Like there needs to be moisture. You said vegetation, um, thick grass. Um, so overgrown fields, brushy areas. Right. Um, but yet we can still find them in our backyard, right? Um, yeah. You can yeah. find them in a public park. That's not typically going to be tall grass. So how do they get to an area like that? From an animal carrying them in there. Okay. Because they'd probably drop off an animal. Because think about, let's say that tick is the size of a uh, of a nymph sized tick. Okay, uh, they're 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 just a little baby, but they're still lethal. Uh, they're on their host for the say they're three days. Uh, when their belly says, "Okay, I've had enough blood," they just drop off wherever, and that could be there. So that's how you could possibly get them there. That and makes, they just that yeah. makes a yeah that makes a ton of sense. Um, I I have to ask like. Is there anything in the natural world that kills them other than like possums eating them or birds or something like I've always heard that the reason well, not always, but I've heard that, you know, like you mentioned climate change. Um, the reason why there's so many more ticks now is because that the temperature doesn't get low enough for long enough to freeze and kill them. I mean, do low temperatures kill them? Does does the, a certain amount of snow kill them? Like, what is it? Is there something that just naturally can kill them in an area or. Well, if you're talking about that, I mean, typically uh, in, in the fall in Northern States, okay. The ticks are going to go down under the leaf litter. Okay. For, for, for their uh, winter hibernation for lack of better words. Uh, and then snow comes over. Snow is a, as we both know, is a wonderful insulator. It's, it's incredible insulator. Okay. So they can stay underneath that that snow and in that uh, leaf litter for for months, okay? Because they already had their one meal for the year, and then uh, it does happen on occasion, though, even in the winter time, that uh, you know you're in Pennsylvania, you know I live in Upper Michigan here, uh, we have snow on a regular basis, but every once in a while we get 40, 55 degrees on a on a on a, on a, on a, a thaw in January or February thaw for a couple of days. And ticks have been known to come out. They say, hey, man, it's springtime, baby. I'm going to come out and look for a host. So uh, they come out, and, and sometimes they may get on dogs. Rarely do they get on people, but they could. Uh, after it cools down a little bit, they go down under the leaf litter again. In order to really freeze out a tick, uh, you're battling nature here, too, because, see, God made ticks. <laughs> I don't know why. He's on the same level of mosquitoes. <laughs> he didn't make any mistakes, but, you know, I hate to say close, but but anyways, uh, he, he gave them a special little enzyme that, that circulates through their body, almost acts as antifreeze to keep them uh, from freezing to death in the wintertime. What, what would freeze them is uh, if they were in, let's say, in a uh, tundra type of area, because Alaska virtually has none of them. Mm -hmm. 
which is a nice place. Um, and uh, if, if they were in a tundra situation with like 30, 40 below for, let's say, a month and a half or two months, then that would kill them. Down here, and we'll call it the lower 48, we don't have that typically. I mean, we've had yeah, definitely below zero, and I'm sure you've had 20 below on occasion too, and we've had that 20 and 30, whatever. Uh, but if they're under the leaf litter in that insulation, they're fine, okay? So that does not kill them like we hope it would kill them. Their natural enemies are uh, like uh, spiders and, and uh, praying mantis, uh, different insects like that. Uh, you have the poultry family also. You have chickens and turkeys and guinea hens, uh, possums and nematodes like little worms. Uh, the state of Maine did a study on uh, on uh, turkeys several years ago, and they found that uh, turkeys, when they go through the woods, they 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 are just have a voracious appetite. I mean, they're like a vacuum cleaner with two legs, all right? And they're eating all the, the ants and the spiders and praying mantis that also feed on the ticks. So they're... they're uh, uh, story was saying that, hey, I think the turkeys are helping the tick population because they're eating so many of their natural enemies so the ticks can thrive even more. Who would have thought that? I mean, my huh. gosh, you know, that makes sense. Yeah, turkeys. it does. Uh, but I, that's not something I would have thought of. I, I would think, you know, I've, crazy. I, I've watched turkeys walk through the woods and, and you're right. I mean, they just they're constantly pecking at the at the yeah. at the floor. They're at the ground. They're they're eating, you know, whatever it is that they're eating. And um, I guess I would have assumed that if they came across a tick, that they would eat the tick. They do, but then they eat all their natural enemies too. A lot of them. So gotcha. the so the ticks have fewer enemies, so they're able to survive even more. Huh. That's the point. That was the point of this thing. So they say guinea hens are really good at you know eating ticks. Two people have them around their houses. You know, let them free range in the yard, as long as a coyote or a or, or a wolf or something eat them. Before we get into um sort of like how to prevent them getting on us. Um, yeah. And I guess this sort of leads into it. Like, what can we do to the landscape around us to basically give uh, a less hospitable habitat for them? So that maybe there are less ticks that even have the opportunity to get on you. Yeah. Um, what, what, what could we do as far as like your backyard or um, even, you know, and habitat management type stuff that would limit the amount of ticks on the landscape? Keeping your grass, the shorter, the better is a good thing to do. Keeping leaf litter, you know, from collecting. I mean, uh, in a lot of different places, uh, a cleaner wood pile, uh, because those are areas where they can, uh, you know, uh, kind of congregate in there. Some people have even gone so far as to, uh, uh, put like a three foot wide barrier around their yard of like wood chips or gravel or something like that. It's hard for ticks to walk across that. Uh, keeping wild animals out of your yard, if possible, you know, because they could, uh, animals can walk in the yard and drop their ticks, you know, that they're feeding on them in the yard. Uh, having a swing set, let's say in a sunny spot of the yard, uh, because that sun, uh, is, is, is less apt to uh, have ticks around it, you know, because they want more of a shade, if, if at all possible. I'm not saying they're never in the sunny area. Uh, but though, does that make sense there? Some of those yeah, things? yeah. So like you want to rake up your leaves. Um, yeah. Uh, you want to like I'm when I'm thinking um, about habitat management, like one of the things that's becoming more and more popular is something to do, you know, on a landscape to help wildlife. Um, 
and really forest regeneration and things like that as well is like fire, right? Prescribed fire. Um, if I would burn that leaf litter, right, um, on a couple acres, like would would I see a reduction in ticks? I mean, granted, there's still wild animals that are going to be going through there, but like would fire kill the ticks or yeah. is it so the fire itself would? Yeah. Uh, actually, I'm writing a I'm finishing up my book right now. Uh, hopefully it'll be out another couple months. And, and I was actually I was going to call it ticks suck but uh <laughs> two most important women in my wife my life men namely my wife and my mom uh didn't like the title so i'm probably going to say something like it, it's it's a, a war a, the war against ticks or something out there you know mm-hmm. uh, but anyway in that book uh i'm talking about uh how to get rid of them and i and i do uh talk about the burning uh controlled burning and uh but that has to be that that really works. I mean, if you if you can burn it at you know in in the springtime, uh, now I'm not saying to go out there and burn those. Oh, I heard from the tick terminate. You know, I'm covering my tracks here. But that definitely have to be controlled. Uh, but yeah, uh, fire will kill them. Uh, and yeah, that that's a good thing you brought that up. Yeah. Well, and then even like I'm thinking even a little more long term. Like, okay, I burn an area. Some deer come into that area. Some ticks fall off. If there's no leaf litter for the ticks um would that or, or and i guess less vegetation while it's still growing back like that would make it harder for the tick to survive in that sort of shorter term like it's not just the burn itself there's a little bit of extra time after that that would sort of help buffer the population coming back up it could yeah because they would have less vegetation to crawl up on um but yeah the burn would have to be done probably every couple of years mm-hmm. I, I would say suggest at least that you know uh but in the article there it definitely is a is a good deterrent you know to but you can't burn the whole forest like that you know right that, right absolutely yeah right <laughs> so yeah, um sure. let, let's talk about what we what we need to do to keep ticks off of us so you know in your yard you said you know keep your grass short rake up leaves um try to put you know things like swing sets stuff like that in sunny areas um but what you know if i'm gonna go if i'm gonna go pheasant hunting i am actively seeking out habitat that ticks want to live in you know taller grasses brush um oftentimes swampy moist areas you know um because that's where the birds are uh but that's also where ticks are so what can i what kind of steps can i take to try to keep the ticks off of me well you're going to go in that tall grass like you said so i mean uh, uh wearing some people like to wear lighter colored clothes so they can see the ticks on them uh but I like to, no matter what I'm wearing, when I'm in the woods, I, I, I use a product called permethrin. Uh, it, it's a very low impact, uh, you know, you know, a scale. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's great. It is very safe. And I spray that on my clothes. All right. And what I do is I spray it on my clothes, uh, either on the clotheslines, best to do that outdoors. And the cool thing about permethrin is that I want to explain a little bit here the difference between between permethrin and let's say DEET, which we're all familiar with. DEET comes in off and, and, and all kinds of different things have DEET. And DEET is a wonderful product created in 1945 for a military. The way DEET works is the scent, the smell, the aroma that is what a little insect notices. Let's say you have DEET you know, on, on your face and, 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 and neck and stuff like that and hands. When a mosquito flies by your, your head and they sense that and they smell that, that DEET, it, it interrupts their little... Uh, their antennas and says, hey, there's no blood there, so they fly off. So it tricks them, okay? 
So that works by the scent, the smell, the aroma. The way permethrin works is totally different. It's called a contact repellent. What that means is, is insects don't notice until they come in contact with it. All right. Uh, I, I, I've watched ticks crawl up me and then they fall off because every step they take drives their nervous system nuts. After several seconds, sometimes 20, 30, 40, maybe 50 seconds or, or a minute, a lot crawling up you, a lot of times they will fall off on their own and die, which is the cool thing about it. So at the end of the day, you're going to have a heck of a lot less ticks on you than had you had nothing on you. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I I use permethrin all the time. Um, that that's sprayed on my hunting clothes. Um, I like it because it's odorless, right? That's right. Um, odorless. You know, and, and like my work pants and things like that that I wear when I'm doing habitat work, I'm, I I spray it on that. Um, just because I really don't want to get, I I've gotten bit by a tick before. Um, luckily, as far as I know, I haven't contracted Lyme disease, but I have friends who have, and yeah. I've you know seen how um awful that is right um you you mentioned arthritic issues and and things i I don't want to deal with that right um here's a here's a cool thing about permethrin that is so awesome deet needs to be applied every day permethrin what happens when you spray it on your clothes it actually binds to the fabric and stays there through multiple washings and it's still effective it's the really cool thing about it uh most permethrin that, that you're probably using is good for six weeks and six washes. It probably says right on a bottle right there. All right. Which is great. Uh, I work with, uh, you know, I, I kind of work as a consultant, a conference speaker, an author, and I help safety directors at, at, at a lot of power companies with, uh, and I educate them on how all this stuff works that we're, like we're talking about right now and how the products work. And, uh, but anyways, the permethrin, you can get it in several different ways. You can get little aerosol cans that may last for a couple of weeks on you or this, uh, uh, the water base for, that you probably have there. Uh, good for six weeks, six washes. Uh, I use uh, uh, a product, also a permethrin, that uh, is really cool because I mix it and I decide how long it's going to last. Because it's a concentrate, Is I, if I pour more in a bottle, it'll last longer. It'll last from... I can pour a little bit and last for three weeks, a little more last for six weeks, a little more last for nine weeks, 12 weeks, up to 24 weeks. So because it's a concentrate, then it not only is so effective, but it saves me money because I'm mixing my own water. I'm not buying water. So that's a, that's a duration 10% that I you know, work with right on my website, which is a wonderful product. It's, it's, it's really cool, especially for the person like yourself. You know, uh, you can just do it right at home. It all comes in a box with everything there. So it is, it's really cool. I like that. Yeah. Lot. I like, I, I like that idea of, of, you know, cause like there's certain, there's certain clothes I wear uh, hunting specifically, right. That, um, for sure. you know, I only need it, uh, you know, for maybe three weeks to really, yeah. you know, I only really need it to work for like maybe three weeks, but then I have other clothing that I wear, you know, pretty much the entire season or, right. um, you know, like uh, turkey season's coming up. That's a month, right? Like I want it to last four right. weeks or uh, archery season for us is six weeks. I want to la- want it to last that, you know, pheasant season for me uh, typically is going to last uh, between eight and 10 weeks. So that's a longer time, right? So then I wouldn't have to reapply it, um, you know, mid season, right. you know, and I'm not saying that I don't, um, I don't want to uh, reapply it mid season, but oftentimes I forget. Right. Like I'm not think that's not necessarily on the top of my mind um, when I'm trying to get out the door with the dog and make sure I have everything I need. Yeah. 
Yeah, so you could just do this, you know, however you want. It's totally up to you. Uh, you design it to help you, and you just you get the the concentrate, and then you like I say, you mix it in the bottle right there yourself. Comes with the bottle. It's 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 great. So it's a uh, then then you know for sure you're 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 set because so you don't want dicks. Let let's just go with uh, hypothetical here. Let's say that someone's listening to this right now. Um, they're they're getting out of their vehicle. Uh, they don't have any permethrin. They, but they're going to go, you know, they want to try to keep ticks from getting on their body. Um, what could they do to try to keep that from happening with the, without the presence of a repellent like Perithmin? Wow. Uh, they're, <laughs> that's tough. The only thing they could do is try to stay on, on, uh, on well-worn paths. If they're not going through the brush, if they're going through the brush, they're going to get something. If they don't have any repellent on them, even with repellent, they're still gonna the ticks are still gonna get on you, but then it's gonna eventually repel them. So yeah, if they got nothing like that on, they're they're out of luck. They're gonna get ticks. There's no question okay. about. It. So uh, I guess I'm uh, trying to direct my question, uh, phrase it the right way to direct it the way I'm thinking here. Um, like a tick on my clothes is not going to be harmful to me right if it's just crawling around my clothes exactly right right, um it's once it reaches my skin that now it becomes an issue so how can i keep ticks from getting onto my skin i guess i don't have that that uh repellent option i get you then yeah what they can do is they can tuck their pants into their socks it looks a little goofy and corny but that's going to force the ticks to definitely stay on the outside they can tuck in their shirts and uh, as much as they possibly can, you know, to keep the ticks on the outside. Uh, and then uh, that's that's about all they can do for that. Then once they get home, here's kind of an interesting little tidbit here. They take those clothes because they may find a tick on them. If they don't find it, they're probably going to be a winner anyways. They put their clothes and they throw them in the dryer on high for about 15 minutes. Not the washer, the dryer first on high for about 15 minutes. That that dry heat will kill the ticks. Then you can put them in the washer because you want to keep those clothes separate because if you know for sure you've been in tick habitat and you're going to have ticks on you, throw everything in the dryer. That's a that's a, a simple little tidbit that a lot of people love. Oh man, I never heard that before. Yeah, that's yeah, no, that's good because like I think, you know, like when I come home, it's like, okay, you know, take my clothes off get them in the wash, you know, just in case there's a tick on there. Uh, dryer first. Dryer first. That's, that, that's interesting. That, that's a yeah. good tidbit. Um, I've, yeah, I've heard the, you know, the, the tucking the, you know, pant legs into your socks, into your boots, wearing long sleeves, um, yeah. you know, tucking your shirt in. Uh, what about wearing, like, I have made it a habit that even when it's warm out and I'm going hunting, I still wear some sort of, um, under layer right that's sort of form fitting um sometimes it's like under armor compression sometimes it's uh merino wool something that's like tighter fitting that has like an elastic cuff on it um would that would that help keep them off my skin or is that all in my head that would help there's actually a company that's called rhino skin that actually makes stuff just like what you're talking about there only i believe it's treated with permethrin uh, and it, it, maybe not, maybe not even treated with permethrin. I think it, it just stops any tick from getting under the garment. So it, it's called, I think it's called rhino skin. 
Okay. It's been a while since I looked at that, but I've heard of that because it's kind of like on, on a, uh, of what you're talking about. You're, you're same wavelength of thought there. Okay. All right. They, I mean, that, in my head, that seemed to make sense. Like one extra uh, layer may, you know, it's a little tighter fitting might help last resort type thing. Um, if somehow they get through the repellent or I forget to reapply something like that was my thought process, but let's, let's, let's continue the, the talk about you get home, right? So you're in tick habitat. You probably more than likely have ticks on you, um, with the way things are, uh, here in the lower 48 these days, uh, you, yeah. you take your clothes off and throw it in the dryer 15 minutes. That that's a great tip, um, yeah. that I definitely was not aware of. Then we're always told you want to check yourself for ticks. Absolutely. Um, I, and I, you want to, you want to check your whole body, but is there like specific areas that you should really be looking for um, that, that ticks tend to like, or do they just stop once they hit skin? Well, yeah, they do have spots that they do like, you know, like behind the knees, uh, around the waistline, the groin area, the hairline area, uh, sometimes armpits, you know, they like those warmer places on, on, on bodies. Uh, but I also tell people, you know, tick checks are very important when you know you've been out there. I tell people, check every place where there is skin. And then I say, yep, even there too. Ladies and men, yep, they've been known to be there too. Whatever you're thinking, yes. Uh, do it very, very thoroughly. You know, be in front of a mirror, bend over, get the ground, you know, and check every place. Uh, then if you do find one, that brings us into this here. Yeah. If you do find one attached... The sooner you get a tick off, the better off you're going to be. The longer they are on you, the more apt they are to what I will say is puke the bad stuff in you, okay? And uh, the way you even take a tick off is very important, too. Now, I'm going to show you this here because I got a little tick. It's a little tiny baby one. I got a bigger one, but they're already wrapped up. The way you take a tick off is important. You don't want to grab it by the body because that tends to, you may squeeze the bad stuff into you when you're taking it off. So you want to grab it by the very base. Uh, you, you can use a little device, let's say a fine tip tweezers, or maybe a little thing called a tick key. Uh, try not to grab the body, but grab it at the very base and pull it just straight up. If a little bit is left in your, in your skin, you can dig it out a little bit and wash it with, you know, uh, soap and water or alcohol or whatever. Uh, but then monitor that bite, okay? You may want to save that tick too. Uh, it's not a bad idea to save the tick or some people, I don't care if they shoot it with a 30-06, you know? <laughs> but when you you don't want a tick off a tick, you want to be nice to it when you're taking it off, okay? After that, you can be mean to it, but be nice to it when you take it off. Don't spin it around. Don't play with it. Uh, but just take it off as nicely as you can. Then monitor that bite. You make sure that that bite uh, if it gets bad, let's say if, if it has a ring around it, they call it is a bullseye rash. That is a for sure sign that you're going to have problems. Okay. That's a telltale sign. That's going to be Lyme disease. Uh, they don't all give that. Uh, they, the, those diseases manifest them their ways in different forms. Uh, my little niece got a whole bunch of those bullseyes all over her body. Uh, she's real little, I think four or something like that. Uh, other people get the bull. Now, bullseye rash only comes in maybe half of the people. Other half don't get it. But I tell people if that that bite, hopefully you don't even know you got bit. Because some people get bit, they don't even know it. But if they do know it, watch that bite. If it reacts bad somehow in the next couple of days, or if you start getting achy joints, flu-like symptoms, feeling crappy, 
maybe neurological, your, your vision, uh, a lot of different little things can happen in those next couple days. See a doctor. And especially where you live in Pennsylvania, most doctors there and where I live here are going to be uh, pretty aware of that. And uh, most doctors are going to put somebody on an antibiotic. Uh, at that point, it's usually doxycycline. Now, I'm not a doctor. I don't play one on TV. So I'm just saying that's what that's a typical uh, protocol. And that works wonders that almost always takes care of it. OK, but really, really watch that and get some kind of help if they if you have those symptoms, like I mentioned, uh, the bullseye rash, you know, it's really, really bad around the, it's all red around there, you know, arm swells up and stuff like that, and they don't give you anything, see another doctor. You can't mess with this. It's so important about early detection and early treatment is the absolute total key here. The, the people that have problems are the ones that maybe get bit and they say, oh, I'm not going to worry about that. And they just start feeling worse and worse and worse. And then months and months go on. They go to 14 different doctors and finally you find one that says, oh, I think you got Lyme disease there three years ago. Now it's too late to, I mean, they can get help. But in the beginning is the most important time. Is that, is that making sense here? Yeah, yeah, because it's a bacterial infection, essentially, is what oh. it is, right? So um, allowing that bacteria to fester is just going to make it, you know, obviously even worse. Um, I want to go back to removing the tick, though, because I've heard all kinds of <laughs> uh, ways to get off ticks, right? Everything from uh, the tweezers, you can buy special tick pullers. Um, I think you yeah. mentioned a tick key. Um, I've heard people say that if you just like put your finger on its bum and like spin it in a circle, you make it dizzy and it'll back out. I've heard people uh, say that they took a cigarette and put it real close to it. You yeah. have a burning end of a cigarette real close to it and it'll back out. Um, I've heard all kinds of stuff. Uh, does any of that kind of stuff work or is it just, you gotta, you gotta pull it out? Normally not. Uh, normally what's going to happen is, uh, you're just going to tick off the tick. You know, I've heard of Vaseline too, you know, mm -hmm. uh, fingernail polish, everything else like that too. Uh, the best thing I keep reading over and over and over and over again is a fine tip tweezers grabbing at the very, very base. So you're not squeezing the body. Just keep those things in mind. Uh, being gentle with it, taking it off. If you spin it around, you're going to, you know, it may be, it may tend to have it puke in you, you know, the bad stuff. So, uh, I come right back to those things again, you know, something like a, a tick key or, or, a, or a, a tweezers are the best things at the very base, right? The skin. Okay. And, and you mentioned, you know, the longer that it's attached to you, um, the more bad stuff is going to get into you, right? More of that bacteria is going to get into you passing on more potential disease. Um, is there like, again, because I've heard all these like magic numbers of two hours, 12 hours, 24 hours, 48 hours, like you can't like, I've heard times where they say like, if as long as you get the tick off of you within 24 hours, you won't get Lyme disease. Is there some magic number or it's just very simply like the sooner the better, because it's just more bacteria going to go in. I've heard all those numbers too. Uh, the most popular number I've heard is probably 24 hours, but I say, you know, new tick checks daily. Uh, there are some ticks. I think it's a, uh, I, it, it may be a soft tick that it's out in the southwestern part of the United States. Uh, that that works totally different than ours here in, in, in our eastern part of the United States. And uh, they can uh, transmit somebody, well, you know, quickly. All right. 
way quicker than 24 hours. I mean, like, say, a half hour sometimes uh, or less. But, yeah, uh, 24 hours is the typical time that I've heard. And uh, But, like I say, I, I as you as you heard me say, I didn't even give you time in the beginning. You know, you're asking me about it now. But, yeah, I've heard them all. And I just say, do tick checks daily. The sooner you get them off, the better. Uh, sometimes, you know, if I say my wife has, has long, dark hair and, and it's hard for her to look, you know, sometimes if, if we've been in the woods, I will look there. Uh, and then uh, some of those hard spots, you know, like, like little kids, parents are going to need to look at them too, because uh, little kids are very apt to get stuff like this because they may not notice it as much because they're not going to groom themselves as much as when adults would. Uh, but yeah, the sooner, the better is, 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 is just the, the best case scenario is sooner, the better. Yeah. Well, I mean, best case scenario is you don't get to take on you. Right. But absolutely, uh, yeah. the second, sure. second best is get it off of you as soon as you can. Um, and, and I would even say, I mean, daily, yes, that's great. If you have the ability, um, you know, if you think like, Oh, I feel something, um, which most times whenever I've had a tick on my skin, um, or when I've been bitten, I haven't felt anything, but sometimes you do, you know, you, you feel something you're like, that didn't feel right. Um, you know, if you can check yourself then, right. Yeah, like if you sure. can find it in your pants before you even get home, um, that's, <laughs> yeah. you know, that's better than waiting 12 hours when you get home, you know, oh, and then sure, having yeah. to pull it out. Yep. Cause see, God also gave the ticks a little special, uh, saliva that they base is kind of gross, but they spit on our skin. So it numbed the skin. So that we can't even feel it when they bite into us. So, I mean, they are very, I call them stealthy, like a stealth bomber. You know, they're very secretive. They don't fly around. We can't see them do that kind of stuff, you know, like a mosquito. Uh, but, yeah, that's uh, the, the sooner the better. And uh, they're nasty little blood-sucking varmints is what I call them. So, Brian, I, this has been great. This has been awesome stuff. And I know you want to end this episode on a little special note. Uh, so I'm going to give you some time now to uh, regale the audience with your your special ending. I'm a little crazy, of course, you know, so I made up a poem about ticks a couple years ago, and it goes like this. I hate them little suckers. I want to terminate them all. So I do with permethrin and love to watch them fall. From head to toe, I spray this stuff. My shoe, socks, clothes, and hats, because it works on more than ticks, like skeeters, chiggers, and even gnats. So I ask you, if you're listening, to keep away from Lyme, get started with permethrin, and now is the perfect time. Thank you. I like it, Ben. I like it a lot. All right, Brian, have, uh, ha thanks for coming on and, uh, have a good rest of your day, man. And, and Hey, the, my website is for them to see this kind of stuff is, has a lot of information on it that we just went over so they can, if they didn't remember it, they can get on there. Uh, it's the, the tick terminator.com, the tick terminator.com. And they can Google me, Brian Anderson, the tick terminator, see all kinds of stuff that I've done. Oh, uh, but yeah, they can get some permethrin right there too. So it's, it's, it's awesome. So appreciate it. That'll do it for this episode. I want to thank you for joining me and I want to thank Brian for coming on and telling us all he knows about ticks. He's a, he's got a great personality and he's a great speaker and it's full of a lot of good, useful information, you know, this time of year, the weather's getting nice. People are starting to spend more time outdoors. And as we're spending more time outdoors and in, quite frankly, just preferred tick habitat, you know, you really got to make sure you're being careful with how you're dressing, 
and how you're preparing yourself to try to keep ticks off of you. And then, of course, make sure that once you're done being outside, check yourself and your kids and your pets for ticks. As you're listening to this, I'm either going to be on my way to camp or, or at camp, you know, the, the weekend after this episode comes out. And, you know, that's as soon as we get back inside camp after I'm going to do some shed hunting and just some general uh, sort of looking around the property and, and doing a little bit of light prep of some food plots. I'm going to have the dog with me. I'm going to be checking myself for ticks when we get back. I'm going to be checking the dog for ticks. Uh, you know, of course, I've already, I will have already have done some preventative measures, right? I'm going to wear long pants. I'm going to, going to wear, you know, some long sleeves. I'm going to spray myself down with permethrin. Uh, you know, I already have the tick and flea uh, stuff, you know, put on the dog for this, this season. But um, it's really important that, you know, not only do we try to prevent, but we also check ourselves as well because we don't want to end up with any of those tick-borne diseases uh, coming into especially Lyme disease and here in PA we know all too well uh, just how much Lyme how prevalent Lyme disease is and how much of a toll it can take on the body if you don't you know recognize the symptoms early enough not to end on this bad note but you know seriously you know just be prepared when you go out you know and and that way you can put your mind at ease and really enjoy the outdoors and as I always end every episode, I'm going to end it again the exact same way, and we're going to keep doing this. This nice weather really just puts it into uh, in the forefront of your mind of get outside, take someone with you, and as always, stay wild. <laughs>